Chapter 23 of Homecraft Rugs, Their Historical Background, Romance of Stitchery, and Method of Making by Lydia LeBaron Walker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. The Care of Rugs, Their Repair and Reconstruction. The life of a rug is as dependent upon its care and repair as upon the fine quality of its materials and the excellence of its craftsmanship. Processes vary to suit different constructions. When only part of a rug is good, it is possible to salvage that for further usefulness. When the damage to a rug is local, mending can be successful, provided the worker knows the technique of the craft. Repairs should be as invisible as the type of the rug and its stitchery permit. Inserted textiles should match those first used. Colors in them and in working mediums should duplicate those existing in the floor covering at the time the repairs are made. New work should blend with old as if it were part of the original. To ensure new tones being identical with those in the rug, it may be necessary to fade, tone, or dye materials, even though they are leftovers from those used in the making of the rug. Materials are faded quickest by wringing from clear water and exposing to strong sunlight, repeating the process until the color is satisfactory. The mellowing effect of time on textiles can sometimes be gained by baths in weak tea or coffee, Occasionally, the dye pot may have to be resorted to. As modern commercial dyes are excellent and easy to use, rug makers of today are spared the tedium of making their own. This elimination simplifies rug making. At one time, the gathering of roots, bark, leaves, herbs, etc., the brewing and further preparation of them, was a task in itself. It was essential then, but is unnecessary now. Science provides such satisfactory dye stuffs that they are universally employed in the Occident. Repairing rugs of superimposed classic stitchery, while not so difficult that it is beyond the powers of the home craft rug maker to do, is nevertheless a fine art of mending. It requires precision and accuracy in each detail. Those who have charge of canvas needlepoint tapestries in museums dexterously repair the ravages of time, matching materials and mediums as closely as modern can duplicate old and employing identical stitchery. The mending, whether done by an expert or an amateur, is one to command the best skill of the worker. The first step in such repairing is to cut from similar foundation textile a square or rectangular piece considerably larger than the rent. Position and baste this beneath the torn or badly worn place. If the mending is to be done on counted threads, the weave must match thread with thread and mesh with mesh, otherwise the new stitches will be askew. Turn the rug right side up. Cut away frayed edges and badly worn portions straight with the foundation weave. Overcast the old textile to the new with the precision described. It is to be expected that the portion of the rug about the hole will be tender. 
to strengthen it and also to secure the patch adequately to the rug, embroider over three or possibly four rows of the double thickness, stitchery and all. The yarn will probably be so worn that it will act as a slight padding merely. The new embroidery medium must match the old in tone and in kind and carry out the fragment of design that is missing. This stitchery will entirely conceal the patch on the right side. On the wrong side, cut away the superfluous patching textile and fell down what is left close to the newly inserted embroidery stitches. The patch will be as invisible as fine mending can make it. Since the embroidery is done through overlapping foundations, the patch will be firm. The patch should be pressed by covering with a damp cloth laid over the wrong side and ironing with a fairly hot iron. It is advisable to press the entire rug in like manner at the same time. If the section of the design to be duplicated does not appear in any other part of the rug, it is important before any repairing whatsoever is done to take off on drafting paper as clear a pattern as the worn stitchery permits. The work is not difficult as it progresses in well-defined rows as in cross-stitch. When the design has been designated on the paper, colors can be painted in. Whatever the type of rug worked by counted stitches, this method should be followed. Hooked rugs are similarly repaired although the lack of precision in the stitchery permits far more latitude. Designs are seldom taken off. The patch is positioned according to the weave. This is all that is necessary. Threads do not have to match exactly. The portion of the pattern to be replaced is hooked in as accurately as the skill of the rug maker permits. In rare occasions, when there is a large hole, Outlines of design are sketched on the patch with charcoal or a soft pencil. Unless the rent is very bad, the rug does not have to be put back into the frame when it is mended. Before starting to hook, all frayed portions of the old rug about the rent should be cut away and edges of old foundation felled to the patch. It is often wise to rip out some rows of stitches about the hole and set the new stitchery through both layers of the foundation, affixing them firmly and invisibly together. This allows for a neater finish on the wrong side. As soon as the edge of a rug begins to show signs of wear, it should be strengthened by binding with braid or tape of diagonal weave. Fell the binding down neatly. When but one row of hooking is frayed, it can be ripped out the foundation turned back to the second row and the edge freshly bound. Hooked rugs that have badly torn borders can have them replaced with new. Baste one side of a strip of burlap to the firm underside of the foundation. Both edges of the burlap should be overcast. The strip should be several inches wide so that it will extend at least two inches beyond the rug edge when positioned. Join strips together by overlapping one inch and tack with coarse stitches. This method of positioning strips is used when rugs are square or rectangular. If rugs are round or oval, 
position each strip separately so that the new textile will match the direction of the weave in the rug foundation. Strips may need to be cut wider than for the other shaped rugs, and they should be shorter. When positioned, edges, not ends, will overlap. The applied textile will present a curious appearance suggested of steps along the edge. After the hooking is completed, these jagged parts are cut off, leaving the edge conforming to the contour of the rug. It is then turned back and bound. Although it might seem easier to set a bias strip around a round rug, this should never be done. It will either cup or ripple, while the straight one will not. Fabric mosaic, button rugs, and petal, scalloped mats, present no difficulties in repairing. Foundations are patched with materials to match. New units, cut like the old and of corresponding color, are sewed to them. The lining where ripped is sewed in place or the entire rug is relined if needed. A rug with foundation partly exposed should be so patched that the lines where old and new textiles join are well concealed. In a quilted rug, the seaming should come on the line of indented stitchery, which will hide it. In patchwork rugs, the ornamental applique can be ripped and then fell down again over the portion of the patch inserted beneath. Where this method of concealment cannot be carried out, stitches of embroidery can be worked over seams, provided the worker has cut the shape of the patch with this purpose in mind. This is assuming that embroidery is combined with applique, as so often happens, or that it can be introduced not only where needed, but in occasional other places, making it seem to be part of the original plan of design. Embroidered rugs can have decorative stitchery conceal seams as if ornament merely were its reason. A rent can be so deftly mended thus when old and new materials match perfectly in kind and color, that it is practically invisible. Frayed embroidery can be picked out and done again in new medium, or worked over as if it were padding. Broken threads of quilting stitchery should be ended off securely, and new run in where old is missing, so that the design is preserved. A braided rug frayed at the edge can have one row ripped off and not replaced, or a new one can be substituted. Dilapidated braid in the field of a rug can be ripped and cut out, new strands sewed to remaining stout strands, the braiding continued to fill the vacant space, and the new length be sewed in place. This mending must be completed row by row to be imperceptible. In needlewoven rugs, should a single strand of weft give way, sew the disconnected ends to adjoining weft and spread the weave enough to fill any empty space. New weft can be woven in to fill a rent left threadbare. If the warp breaks, the homecraft rug maker must be a skillful worker to mend it correctly. It may be necessary to call in an expert. New warp will be required. This must be tied to the old where it is strong and be pulled as taut as the other warp. Then new weft must be interlaced to fill the space. 
If side edges need repairing, they can be strengthened by working over with buttonhole stitch using colors to match the worked over weft. Worn ends of rugs can be bound or commercial rug fringe replace the original. There is a double heading to such fringe between the layers of which the rug is slipped and sewed. Knit rugs, since they are made in strips or sections seamed together, are easily repaired by the simple process of knitting and inserting new portions to replace those worn out. If part of a section only needs replacing, slip the loops of stitches in the nearest strong row onto a knitting needle and knit a length of new medium matching the old. Bind off the stitches when a sufficient length to fill the space is done. Graft this edge to the one it is made to fit or seam the two edges together if one is not familiar with the process of grafting. Rents and crocheted rugs can be mended row by row. Join the new medium to the old where it is strong and crochet to complete the part of the row to be filled in. Fasten off all ends securely. Complete each row thus, working back and forth or from right to left only, according to the stitchery in the rug. When made in sections, a crocheted rug is easily repaired by replacing old parts with new. Edges can be renewed by raveling frayed stitchery and crocheting fresh. Rugs ornamented with pigments can be retouched with whatever coloring agent was used originally. If the foundation is as good as new, an entirely different color scheme can be carried out as successfully as at first, provided darker tones are used. In turning to the subject of cleaning as an essential part of the care of rugs, two processes are found, one mechanical, the other handwork. Each has its adherence. Mechanical vacuum cleaners simplify the task. By them, moths are eliminated as well as dirt. Two constant use of high-pressure machines should be guarded against, and a careful choice of correct attachments be made to accord with the type of rug being processed. Otherwise, the cleaning may wear stitchery, though such risks are reputed to have been eliminated by improved mechanism. Rugs wiped off with a damp cloth after cleaning have their color freshened. After a rug is well cleaned by whatever process, it can be kept clean for a long time by going over it daily with a damp cloth. Smooth face rugs, hand cleansed, should be laid on the grass and be beaten, first on the wrong and then on the right side using a flexible woven rug beater. If the rug is of a coarse type, such as a carpet rug, it can then be swept with a regular corn broom. If it is one of choice work, it can be swept on the wrong side with a broom. On the right, it should be brushed with a clothes brush having fairly stiff bristles and then be wiped off with a damp cloth. For these last two treatments, a rug can be laid on a table covered with newspapers. This prevents the worker having to bend far over. There are certain types of rugs that should never be swept with a corn broom. They should be beaten, but not too vigorously, and then gone over with a clothes brush, not a whisk, and wiped with a damp cloth afterwards. 
The quilted rug and fine embroidered rugs belong to this class. A flexible whisk is advised for the right side of mosaic and petal rugs and those having applied or slightly embossed surfaces. Rugs with a pile should be beaten, swept, and wiped off as described. Like the better sort of smooth face rugs, fine piles should be brushed on the right side with a flexible whisk or a clothes brush. Suit the utensil to the character of the work in the specific floor covering. Always sweep or brush a pile rug either with the nap or across it, never against the nap. Brushing with the nap heightens the sheen and assists felting. Cleansing a rug against the nap impairs the sheen and separates filaments. It opens the way for dust to settle on foundations instead of forming a barrier against it as when the nap is correctly smoothed. When wiping off rugs of all types, add a very little alcohol or a few drops of household ammonia to the clear, lukewarm water, and the surface will not only be free from all traces of dust, but colors will be heightened also. When colors are known to be fast and textiles are suitable, rugs can be washed. In olden times, all cloth that was used in rag rugs was first washed and that likely to run was soaked until no more color would come out. This treatment is recommended today when cloth is from discarded garments or when colors need to be set. In modern rag rugs employing new textiles, such laundering is generally omitted. The finish of new goods helps to keep them clean. Dyes are more reliable. For laundry purposes, a lukewarm solution of soap bark and water is an old standby. Today, there are numerous excellent cleaning agents. An ordinary scrubbing brush with flexible bristles can be used on most rug surfaces or a hand-manipulated suction or vacuum washer. The vigor of the treatment should be regulated to suit the textile and type of rug. After thorough rinsing, Lay rugs flat on the grass or on boards or cement either outdoors or in. It is customary to dry oriental rugs in strong sunlight after a hose has been played on them as a rinsing process. Water is expunged by pressing with a round wooden roller run over the surface following the direction of the nap. This method is recommended for washable homecraft rugs which have been rinsed in several waters. A porchier pole or a large rolling pin can supply the tool. Never wring a rug. The twisting and creasing is ruinous. Rugs should never be hung on a line to dry after washing or when they are cleaned by any process or even aired. The strain on the stitchery, especially that close to the line, is tremendous in heavy rugs and too great in any floor covering. It separates rows of weft or warp according to the way they are hung, lengthwise or sideways. Stitches are loosened or made irregular. To beat a rug on a line exaggerates these troubles. Shaking rugs is invariably harmful. It makes threads snap. It strains both warp and weft. It loosens stitches especially those held together by pressure merely, as in hooked rugs. 
It weakens binding and frays fringe. No floor covering can long withstand such drastic treatment. It has been found so injurious to oriental rugs to shake them and hang them on lines that, according to G. Griffin Lewis, more of these splendid floor coverings are worn out by such mistreatment than by actual usage. Foundations break, knots loosen, untie, and eventually threads come out. This causes a blemish in itself and also weakens all the surrounding textile. Homecraft rugs, many of which are exquisite creations, deserve to be spared such a fate. The oriental method of straightening rugs is excellent for all handmade floor coverings discovered to be crooked when completed. Tack the rug to a floor, pulling it straight as the tacks are put in. The line in the flooring where the boards join will supply a gauge along both sides. Ends must be at perfect right angles to them. Wet the rug thoroughly and allow it to dry before releasing from its position, whence it will emerge straight and even. Rug corners that have a tendency to curl can be kept flat by either of two methods. A narrow strip of lead, one-eighth inch thick and two or three inches long, encased in cloth, may be sewed close to the lengthwise edge at the corner of the rug on the underside or triangles of rubber may be basted or otherwise secured to the underside of the rug corners. One rubber stair pad will supply four such triangular corner sections. The wear on rugs laid directly on hardwood floors has been proven so destructive that there is a growing tendency to use rug linings. All power loom carpets properly laid are so protected but until comparatively recently, no such precautions were taken to spare handmade rugs, however handsome. The growth of appreciation and value of the latter in the Occident is responsible for the present better care. Felt and rubber are excellent for linings. They can be bought in rug sizes or cut to order. Their tenacious quality helps to keep rugs from sliding on polished floors, as well as softening the tread and preserving the rugs. Lining paper, like felt and rubber, has good resilience, but it lacks tenacity. It should be used under carpet size rugs only, not scatter rugs. No lining should be so bulky that it perceptibly raises a rug from the floor. In the Orient, where the care of rugs, as well as the making of them, is understood thoroughly, entire floors are not infrequently covered with very heavy felt. This serves as a soft and neutral background, enhancing the beauty of rugs and preserving the textiles. In the Occident, carpets are sometimes so used. Their vogue for this purpose is steadily increasing. It need scarcely be mentioned that rugs should never be placed on figured carpets. The conflict of patterns is confusing. Carpets in flat, neutral tones, especially those having a deep pile, make appropriate backgrounds, artistic and luxuriously soft. 
fine rugs will last generations when they are given the care recommended. But even when they pass beyond use in their original form, their day may not be over entirely. Should the rug be too tender throughout to endure the hard wear it would get on a floor, it can be converted into a table rug or table carpet, as such covers were called in olden times. Some types of rugs make attractive wall hangings, another ancient use. The good portions of otherwise worn-out rugs can be salvaged by cutting them out and putting them to use as centers for braided, crocheted, knit, or hooked rugs, etc. The reconstruction of floor coverings in this manner depends for its success upon the correct combination of two congenial crafts, or the skillful introduction of an inset piece into a surround of like craft. Pieces from rugs can be bound and used for chair seats and foot mats, or as covers for sofa pillows, footstools, or floor cushions. Before the time comes, however, when rugs are so badly worn that such salvaging must be resorted to, every effort should be made to keep them intact as floor coverings. End of chapter 23